I called them top 20 at first. And then if you notice, as the episodes went on, I called them top 15. And then, you know, I didn't want to go any higher because it's tough to predict who the top 10 to five defenses are going to be. But man, this sure feels like a top five defense in the country. Hello and welcome into this week's episode of the Lions Lair. I am your host, John Sauber, joined on the other line by Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, one week of football in. How you doing? Doing well. Um, just, you know, got another, uh, we got our first home game this week. So ready to, look. I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be my first game covering uh, actually in the, in the press box this time. So that'll be cool. Yeah, no, it'll be exciting. Uh, it's always, always fun to see people sort of get to go to Beaver Stadium for the first time. Uh, but we'll get to we'll get to Ball State uh, later. We have a, a guest on for that. That'll, that'll be a fun conversation. But first, let's let's look back at what this week was for Penn State, right? And what could be a season-changing win and a, uh, you know, a pretty defining win for this team against Wisconsin. Penn State, of course, going into Camp Randall, taking down Wisconsin 16-10 to 10, uh, in a very, very, you know, defensively-oriented game, especially in the first half and a sort of tenuous win that, that wasn't always uh, – it didn't always seem like it was in the cards for Penn State. We'll let you start it off, though, Kyle. What, what was your primary takeaway from what we learned about Penn State football this weekend and, and how that will help them going forward? I think they have one of the best defenses in the country. Um, you know, that's one thing I'll, I'll say. And I know we talked a little bit about that prior to, um, you know, the season starting, that we both thought they were going to have an amazing defense this season. And it, and it showed up a ton, um, you know, especially throughout this um, this first game. I mean, the fact that Jaquan Brisker went down three times and then he decided, OK, I'm coming up with a big, big play at the end of the game. I, I thought that was huge. And then Jair Brown, of course, his, his huge play. Um, Ar- Arnold Ebiketti, I mean, geez, coming into the year, we didn't know exactly what he'd, you know, be able to accomplish on on this team as a um you know, as an edge rusher. And I mean, he showed up in a big way. I mean, he was, he was a force all game. It, it seemed like they, you know, I think in the second half, they, they started to try to double team him on runs a, a ton of times. And then even passing in the passing game, you know, you would have tight ends chip off on him. That just goes to show you what kind of a find he was, um, you know, getting him from temple. So I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway I can, I can say from, from this game is that, you know, this defense is the truth and, you know, it's going to be fun to watch all season. You know, I, I, I said this preseason, you mentioned, we both said they were going to be really good and I called them top 20 at first. And then if you notice, as the episodes went on, I called them top 15 and then, you know, I didn't want to go any higher because it's tough to predict who the top 10 to five defenses are going to be, but man, this sure feels like a top five defense in the country. Uh, really good at all three levels, really good against the run, really good against the pass. Although that wasn't tested as much because, Frankly, Graham Mertz and Wisconsin didn't have that good of a passing offense and, and you know, weren't that that high of a bar. Penn State had to clear. But against the run, to prevent this Wisconsin team from ever truly breaking the big one in the run game, I think is a uh, is an important feat that they accomplished this weekend. This is the team that's, that's going to break big gains like that. They're going to wear you down to eventually get the big one, and, and it never happened. Uh, Jaquan Brisker was really good against the run. The linebackers were good against the run. The, you know, sort of the guys along the defensive line would try and, uh, you know, even if they got sealed off, even if if they uh, gave up a a hole for the running back, the linebackers were there to peel off their blocks and make the plays. And on the rare occasion, the linebackers didn't. 
Risker and Brown and Castro Fields and Porter and, and everyone else in the secondary was there to make the play. So kudos to, to Penn State for preventing Wisconsin from ever, uh, ever really getting to, to swing the momentum in their favor. I think the then now sort of we've talked about the defense and just how good it's going to be, which is very, very good. I think this comes back to the offense now, right? And this is where I don't know that we learned as much about this offense as you would have hoped. You know, if, if you're a Penn State fan and just saw them upset the number 12 team, the then number 12 team, I should say, in the country, right? Like, they didn't come out and dominate. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't come out and walk down the field. They, they came out, hit a few big plays in the second half, and that won them the game. But there was a lot of inconsistency there, uh, I think, that, that is worrisome. And is that something that caught your eye as well? And, and how do you feel about this offense now that we've seen them play, which is, which is by the way, a very, very good Wisconsin defense? It's, it's tough. You know, it, it's tough to kind of say what they are, especially after playing. I mean, Wisconsin's a tough opponent in the first week of the season. I mean, it's it's different with the offense. I mean, with the defense where, you know, Wisconsin has a solid offense. It's not like the offense is, you know, awful. <laughs> you know, we, I think I think that's one thing that I've heard from a lot of people that were like, well, I don't think Graham Mertz is that great of a quarterback. So why are you? you know, why would you hype up this, this defensive play? And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. This is a very, like, I mean, before when we previewed this game, it was a very senior lead in team, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. So you would have expected for them to, you know, step up and, and they did at times, but, you know, they kind of got folded by Penn State's defense at the end. Um, on a, on a defensive end, I mean, well, on, on the offensive end for Penn State, though, one thing I'll say is this. It was Mike Yersich's first game as an offensive coordinator for the team. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw his stamp on the offense, especially in the second half of the game. Um, you know, with Jahan Dotson. I mean, Jahan Dotson's speed will get open any any way you, you, you know, you shake it. I mean, you don't need to scheme too much for him, but you know, the fact that Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert Smith were so open a lot of the game. I mean, that that goes to show you that his route, his route combinations, I think, are very good for this team. And I think that, you know, if Clifford can deliver them the ball like he did in the second half and even, you know, even if he's decent, if he has if he has a, a season like that second half of the of the of the game on Saturday, I mean, that doesn't hurt you too much. You know, he didn't didn't throw any picks, didn't turn the ball over. And that's one thing that, you know, in the past, he would have probably tried to run the ball. He would have probably got crushed and, you know, fumbled. But, you know, he I mean, he even though he was skittish, he didn't make any huge mistakes. Um, so I think that's another thing that we can take away from the offensive side. And then Noah Kane, of course, you know, I think the more touches that you give Noah Kane throughout the season, the better he's going to get. And I mean, that was evident because, you know, eight carries, he went for 48 yards average, busting uh, six yards a carry um, and had a touchdown and plus had that big, you know, reception that, that helped him them win the game. So, you know, to me, I think this offense, it has potential, but we haven't seen what they can do fully yet. And I don't know that we will see what they can do fully until, you know, maybe the Iowa game or even Ohio State or something before that. I, I'm not entirely sure. It's, you know, we still have to see more. Yeah, and I think that's a, a fair way to put it. To go back to what you said about Graham Mertz, too, by the way, this is a point I wanted to make. I don't think Paul Chris did him any favors in that game. 
he seemed to get into a rhythm when they let him throw the ball on consecutive downs, when they let him throw the ball a few times on a drive. But it's hard to stay in that rhythm when you're, you're constantly running the ball and you never have a chance to throw. We even saw at the end of the game, he started getting into a rhythm on that drive before the intentional grounding, uh, you know, ended up dooming them and, you know, they, they got the pressure. But I don't think Mertz was as bad as people people made him out to be. I think that's a, that's a good call on your part. The other thing, the way I termed it and sort of our, our, our story after the game was that this offense was not good on Saturday, but it was good enough. Um, and good enough will win you a bunch of games with a defense this good, right? Like it'll allow you to go on the road against a good team and, and win a matchup because the defense can grind the other team down. But what good enough doesn't do is it doesn't allow you to beat Ohio State. And I think Penn State's goal this season is to beat Ohio State and make to the Big Ten title game. Well, to do that, you have to be better than this. And, and I think, like you said, we saw a better version of Sean Clifford. We did not see the best version of Sean Clifford, though. Uh, he was he was more, uh, you know, he, he made his decisions quicker. He made them he made better decisions. I asked James Franklin about sort of the, the, the balance between running the ball with Clifford and, and sort of having him, you know, stay healthy and not 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 ruin his legs and, and staying within the offense. And and Franklin mentioned that that last year there was might have been a little bit of a Clifford going one, two, bail, right? Like he'd get through his first two progression and get out. Instead, they, they've been asking him, and Mike Yurisich specifically has been asking him to work through his progressions and to step up in the pocket and to find space and give his wide receivers time to work. Uh, and when that happened and and the two throws, the, the one to Dotson for the touchdown, the one to Keandre Lambert-Smith for 52 yards, that was Clifford navigating the pocket well when he saw pressure moving his feet, staying calm, and launching deep passes that worked out really well for Penn State. Now, he has to do that every single week, right? One game of that is not going to be enough. But I do think some of the ingredients are there for them to continue improving. I just don't know that the um, that, that I can fully trust an offense that that only showed up for a little bit of the game to, to be that every week. That being said, it's not going, it shouldn't anyways matter as much this week against a weaker Ball State opponent than, than Wisconsin. But still, they – they need to be good. They need to be more consistent. And, and with Clifford, like there were other opportunities they had. This game could have been a three touchdown game, right? It also could have been a Wisconsin win, by the way, because they had some red zone issues, fumbles by Wisconsin that Penn State sort of didn't have anything to do with other than, you know, being aware and falling on the ball, which does take some level of, of talent up uh, and, and skill and, and knowledge. But still, they uh, they could have they could have won by more had Clifford thrown, uh, you know, guys open more. Uh, there was a a fourth down situation or a third down situation, excuse me, where he had Theo Johnson open and sort of sailed the pass through outside and high and Johnson never had a chance. Johnson 6'6", 260 pounds, pretty tough to overthrow that guy. But yeah, I think there's some kids consistency stuff that they need to work on that is going to be important moving forward to get to that point of being able to beat Ohio State. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, the main thing that comes with that is just, you know, getting those reps and getting everybody to get involved. And I think this ball state game is the perfect you know, chance for them to be able to, you know, expand on their offensive play calling, to expand on, you know, getting a rhythm um, and and be able to being able to chuck the ball downfield a little bit more, too, because, I mean, it was open, you know, I mean, and it takes a ton sometimes to overthrow. I mean, I don't think people realize how how much it takes to have to overthrow Jahan Dotson. <laughs> I mean, that. So many times, um, you know, a couple of times he overthrew Jahan Dotson. I mean, he it was like those memes where people are like, oh, yeah, Eli's like, oh, yeah, Odell's somewhere over there. <laughs> Eli Manning. Um, but, yeah, it, it just seemed like he just was like t chucking a ball downfield 
um, you know, blindfolded at times and just hoping that, you know, Jahan Dotson ran under ball. I mean, it worked a couple of times, but they're going to need some more consistency with that. Maybe, you know, like I said, the ball state game is a perfect game to get that consistency down to be able to throw the ball deep. And, um, you know, a lot of those comeback routes, I mean, they were wide open. So, you know, I, I love comeback routes. I mean, I think they're one of the best things if you have a receiver that can break down, you know, get out of his, get out of the break really quickly and then, you know, come back towards the ball. And then Sean Clifford has a strong arm. So, I mean, if you can make that work, I mean, shoot, keep going to it and, uh, you know, attack the seams with it as well. So, you know, I, I don't I don't see why they can't continue to get better as the season goes on. And, you know, like I said, Ball State's a perfect team to work the kinks out against. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, a couple weeks when Villanova comes. Um, I think that's another one. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, and I think the – the benefit to, to you mentioned comebacks specifically is it's not it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, guys ability to get out of breaks. But what also helps there is the threat of that guy being over, able to go over the top. Right. Like if if that corner is is has his hips turned inside and he, and he has to cover the guy and make sure he's not about to run a post or about to just run a fly and try to get deep. And suddenly he's turned the other way toward the sideline. You have to flip your hips and get back to the ball. It's really hard. And Jahan Dotson is so good at running comebacks. Um, Keandre Lambert Smith as well with the, the quickness and the ability to, to sort of break himself down and get back to the ball uh, and show himself to the quarterback. Those are going to be, I would guess, a, a pretty big part of this offense, right? Like those are the routes that those two especially can excel at. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, this is a good opportunity for Penn State this weekend. I think that they are going to have a chance to, you know, work on some of the stuff. That being said, Ball State is a tough opponent. Um, I don't know that that you know, it's, it's definitely not Villanova, right? Like it's not a complete walkover, but this is a chance to get things back on track and get things going where you can put a full game together. But, you know, if they don't like they're putting themselves at risk of losing, and this is what happens when you have a difficult schedule, right. And why they need their offense to get rolling against Wisconsin. Um, so then I, I, I guess how important was that second half for Sean Clifford, right? We saw the confidence that he had in that half of football, how important do you think it was in sort of setting the stage for them to keep moving forward? I think it was incredibly important considering the fact that, you know, he looked more consistent in the second half, um, even though he was still, you know, somewhat inconsistent, but it wasn't the end of the world, you know? And I think one thing with Sean Clifford is that in the past, he would have made way more mistakes um, and, you know, he would have just let it snowball, which I feel like he didn't do this, this, this game. And, you know, it's tough to not do that against, um, you know, a, uh, a Wisconsin defense is just to not make those. I mean, he didn't make mistakes. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. And, you know, he did do things that weren't exactly what you wanted, but he didn't make that big mistake that would have caused them the game. You know, and I think that that's something that you can take away from them from this game and, you know, we can say, I mean, one, he was way he was way better in the second half than he was in the first half. I don't I don't think that's really hard to do. It's a low you know, bar. one thing that. Yeah, it's a very low bar, but he didn't make mistakes. And, you know, you can you can win. You can win with a game managing quarterback with this team, you know, and that's something that they did two years ago when he was starting. You know, he Sean Clifford wasn't busting the walls down um, when they ended up in the Cotton Bowl and winning that. But, you know, one thing he did do right was that he didn't screw up. And, 
you know, that does not hurt you one bit. I mean, if you have a quarterback that doesn't screw up and gets and delivers the ball where it needs to be um, and, you know, lets his his receivers do the work for him, I mean, that's fine enough. And Sean Clifford has a good arm. It's not like his arm's weak or anything, you know. When we talk about game managing quarterbacks, I think so many people think, oh, it's this quarterback that has this weak arm and stuff. You know, you don't necessarily have to be a weak arm quarterback to be a game manager. And I mean, the other thing too, is like, he still has a threat to be able to throw the ball deep. And, you know, as long as they scheme it open, I mean, he, he's, he should be fine. You know, I I think he'll be fine. I don't think like, we're not sitting up here expecting Sean Clifford at his best to be gangbusters, but we do expect Sean Clifford to be very decent and above and, and, you know, at his best above average, which is, which is fine for this Penn state offense. I don't think, I don't think they need Sean Clifford to be, you know, the second coming of uh Kerry Collins. They don't need that, but they do need Sean Clifford to just be, you know, above average and, you know, take them to, to hopefully for them, a, uh, you know, a good bowl game. You know, before we, we transition to, to Ball State talk here, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Score prediction for the game. We'll get my prediction later when, when uh, you know, we have our guest on. But but score prediction for the game, and how do you see this Ball State game going? I, I mean, I know Ball State is, a, is an opponent that you can't sleep on, of course. But I will say this. I think Penn State wins 40 to 7. I think it's going to be it's going to be a game where they just, you know, they, they want to bust the doors down. Like I said before. They, this is a chance to get your deep passing game into a rhythm. Um, so I think they're going to take ch- chunks of the, you know, of the uh, defense out um, where you go and pass the ball 20 yards down the field, 15 yards down the field, and then, you know, chuck the ball again, 60 yards downfield with, uh, with dots. And of course they're going to have somebody, you know, over the top as a safety to help. I think that's one thing that we, didn't see him was against Wisconsin, which I I found crazy. I don't know if it was just that you know, I think you mentioned one time that uh, the safeties were coming down a lot of times, and then the corners were trying to play the the middle third of the field. Um, but I don't think Ball State will do that because I don't think they have the same kind of athletes that Wisconsin does on their defense. So I think that they'll try to they'll try to stop John Dotson, but I still think he'll bust past the defense. And then if, if they can't stop him, I think this is a game where, you know, the t- if they can stop him, I think this is a game where the tight ends get heavily involved. So I think Strange and Johnson are going to eat this game. And like I said, I think it'll be 40 to 7. You'll see, um, you know, I think t- take on, yeah, Taquan Roberson will get in this game somehow um, later on in the game. So that's my prediction. Yeah, and that, that concept that Wisconsin ran, that inverted cover two, where basically you have your safeties drop down and play a buzz zone, which is underneath, and your cornerbacks drop and split the middle of the field like uh, like safeties usually would, right? Like each responsible for half. That, uh, that did not go well when John Dotson was flying by those guys. Let's get into our Ball State discussion with our guest this week, Robbie General of the Star Press. Robbie covers Ball State for the Star Press. How you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. You know, it's been a it's been a long week. I've been pulling double duties the, the past couple of weeks here at the paper, but it's a uh, it's been fun and um, big week for Ball State coming up. So uh, no reason not to be excited. Yeah, and and we'll cover half of those duties today uh, with Ball State football. 
Uh, but let's get into this. You know, this was sort of a game that a lot of people had pegged as a trap game for Penn State. Uh, you know, Ball State, very good team, won the MAC last year, returning a bunch of starters. 16 super seniors on the roster is uh, a lot of super seniors. Uh, but but give me the rundown of, of what you thought of this team facing Western Illinois in week one, because I saw the I saw the game, you know, 31-21 isn't exactly an inspiring win against an FCS opponent. But was there a little more depth to it than that? Was there, you know, was this a wider disparity than the scoreboard indicated or was that really how close it was? Yeah, you know, I, I think in in the I mean, there was worries, certainly in the first half when Ball State was never really able to to kind of pull away. But, um, you know, I don't I mean, talking to to the coach and Mike New and, and some of the players, they don't seem like overly concerned about it. And I'm not sure there's a reason to be. Um, I mean, across college football, we saw a bunch of weird stuff happen in week one. Um, you know, Washington losing to, to, to Montana being one, just one of the uh, many kind of odd examples. And then like Northern Iowa hanging on with Iowa state. So um, weird stuff happens. Um, and, and I think the, the promising thing for ball state is that, you know, maybe in the past um, a 10 point win against whoever it would be, you know, would be, Hey, hoorah, you know, we're, this is great. Um, we'd love to see it, but um, they, they weren't happy after the game and, and, and rightfully so. And, um, I think in the second half, they started looking kind of normal on offense or looking more like what they did last season. Um, but the first half, man, it was just offensively, they just couldn't get anything going. Um, I mean, there was a couple overthrown balls, you know, a couple of drop passes. It was just it was just an ugly first half offensively. But um, credit to the defense who, who um, outside of a few plays, I thought played a relatively good game um, or a few big plays played a relatively good game. And um, they got the job done and, and they walk out one to know, which is more than uh, I, uh, other teams could say at this point. So, yeah. And uh, weirdness is a good way to describe a week one uh, in which I had to watch a zero to zero game go to the half. Uh, and I will say, though, that Washington game, less of a surprise to those of us who watched John Donovan call an offense when he was at Penn State. Uh, now the offensive coordinator at Washington wasn't uh, wasn't a sterling performance from them. But let's get into that defense. Do you think given given what you know about Penn State, you know, we saw them. Uh, you know, I watched Mike News press conference the other day. He mentioned the big plays. You asked him about the big plays. Do you think this this Ball State defense is good enough to stop the big plays, you know, of guys like Jahan Dotson and, you know, Noah Kane at running back? Do you think they're equipped to do that? Or is this going to be a weakness for them throughout the year that might bite them a little more this week than usual? Yeah, you know, I think one week might um, be kind of a small sample size to see if it'll be like a long-term issue. Um, they do re- return a lot of talent in that secondary. And I, I think that secondary is, is better than what they've shown. And um, one thing they didn't have, I mean, I mean, the real big thing and new, new highlighted throughout the week is just like the lack of tackling. And when you can't tackle, you know, guys break through for 75 yards and um, Houston on, on what uh, Dennis Houston on Western Illinois, um, man, he's a talent, man. He, he made some explosive plays and you got to give him credit, but um, yeah, it's definitely a concern. And, and all state, you know, heading into this week did not, shy away from that and and they know that was going to be I mean a point of emphasis and they've been focusing on tackling all week um you know I think they got the right guys they got Bryce Cosby in the secondary um I mean they got JT Wahi who who played well and Ameche Uzadinma and and a bunch of guys who've kind of been through it before um but I think the biggest concern was you know it wasn't like and, and maybe it's not a concern but like it wasn't like one guy gave up like all the big plays um, you know, the like between the whole secondary, I think each guy had a big play uh, against them. 
um, as far as the cornerbacks go, at least. So um, I don't know if it'll be a long-term problem. And, and quite frankly, I don't know um, how they'll respond to, to a good, um, to, to some talented receivers there on Penn State side. Uh, but I think last year, um, I mean, especially in the bowl game, they kind of showed what they can do against a, a good passing um, offense. And, and uh, we'll see if they can get back to that point. Um, but last year it took a while for them to build up to that elite defense. And, um, you know, you don't have much time at this point to build up to an explosive offense like uh, Penn State uh, can have. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned those cornerbacks. That's that's sort of where my eyes are going when it comes to Penn State having the ball right because we saw what Jahan Dotson did to a really good Wisconsin secondary last week uh, and a really good Wisconsin corner in Fayon Hicks who who shadowed him, who I asked him in July about shadowing Jahan, and he was excited then to do it, and then, you know, five, six weeks later, and, and that's kind of what happens when you face a guy that talented. So is there a corner that you could see potentially shadowing Dotson or – or frankly, is this a team that's going to run uh, quite a bit more zone than man uh, this weekend? Yeah, you know, um, I don't know if they're they're necessarily going to have so much shadowing. Um, I would say like the the main guys, obviously Uzadema. I mean, he's been the guy who's kind of been there a lot, um, and and I think the I don't know, and, and they kind of rotate in in and out, right? You know, Nick Jones wasn't the starter, but came in and had the one turnover for for Ball State. So um, we'll see. I think Ball State tends to on both sides of the ball, at least from what what I've seen, is um, you know kind of play the hot hand and, and switch things around a little bit. And they're not afraid to put different guys in different spots, and they have the experience to kind of do that. Um, but I'll, it, it'll be interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if if they kind of. I know. I think where Western Illinois really succeeded was in that zone. And, and I think they have the athletes to, you know, play man, um, but to do it for four quarters, um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I think, and I think that's going to be the biggest test to see um, how they can um, or how long they can stick around and, and, and shut down or try to shut down Penn State's receivers. Yeah. And, and I think that that inconsistency applies to both sides here uh, when, when Penn State has the ball anyways, because we saw it last week, like I said, uh, Penn State did not score in the first half uh, and managed to score 16 in the second half, which like 16 is fine, but it was off a lot of explosives. Uh, you know, they, they weren't exactly moving the ball at will. Uh, they were trying to hit quickly, which is what Mike Yersich has done back since he was in, at, uh, you know, Shippensburg and Oklahoma State and everywhere else. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see which of these two uh, inconsistent sort of units from week one can kind of rebound and, and get back on track. Now, when, when Ball State has the ball, uh, I've heard plenty about Ball State quarterback, Ball State's quarterback, but I've heard even more about Justin Hall. Uh, what can you tell me about the type of receiver he is, uh, what he did against Western Illinois, and, and sort of what your expectations are against again a, a pretty good Penn State secondary? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think uh, the the biggest name um, probably outside of Drew Plitt is Justin Hall, and, and rightfully so. I mean, um, the dude had a 49 yard touchdown. In the first half to get ball state on the board. And then he had a 47 yard touchdown where um, it was definitely broken coverage defensively for Western Illinois, but he kind of just snuck around um, out of the slot and, and was wide open. And um, you know, that's what he can do. I mean, he's, he's not a big receiver. He's undersized, but he's fast and he can get around. I mean, whoever, and he can play with whoever. And I, I, I always go back to a highlight a couple of years ago where, where he leapt over a defender, um, you know, I think all five foot 11 of him or however tall he is left right over a diving defender on, on the sideline. Um, Listen, I saw him play against defender. Western Illinois. 5'11 is generous. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's slippery, man. He's he's the type of guy that, um, you know, can kind of sneak his way through the defense. So um, super talented and, and he, he returns punts, he returns kickoffs. Um, he can do a lot. And um, I know Ball State's going to try to use him um, not just as receiver in, in the slot out wide, um, but also kind of as a as a sweep and, and motion kind of guy. So he's definitely someone. Um, number eleven sticks is his uh, Twitter handle. Um, who's who's going to be someone to to keep out for? But um, I think he also opens up the game um, for a bigger guy like Johannes Tyler, who looks more like an NFL type build receiver. You know, six four, uh, uh, over two hundred pounds. Um, and then Jay Sean Jackson, who, who's from Cincinnati and um, I think it's just, just a matter of time for him to have his breakout game. So um, Hall creates a lot of problems, but I think uh, more so he kind of opens up the game for, for everyone else. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Plitt. And one thing you, you see a lot of times when a smaller school, and I'm, I'll say it's not a small school, you know, this is a Mac school that won a Mac title last year, but in a, a group of five schools, when they get an elite receiver, uh, someone like Hall, quarterbacks, eyes can kind of get glued to them they don't work through the progressions and everything from what I saw against Plitt last week that wasn't the case uh and frankly he looks like a good quarterback um do you expect him to to sort of have I don't want to call it a breakout game because he he's good and and people know he's good but do you think this is sort of his first chance to put himself on on the big stage yeah I think so um and and I, I think last week, you know, he had a respectable game, right? You know, 17 for 28, 188 yards, two touchdowns. On paper, that, that's not bad, right? Um, but it's not as good as as we've seen him play. And there's two passes that were almost interceptions. And um, I think just that whole first half, I don't think it was nerves necessarily. Um, I, I, I mean, maybe what Ball State was trying to do too much, but he was just missing guys. And um, I remember one play, Donnie Marcus, one of the running backs, kind of had a screen out to the right and and he had 50 yards of daylight in front of him. I don't know if it would have been a touchdown, but it would have been um, a nice chunk of yards and Plitt just overthrew him and, you know, he hits himself on the head. Um, but I will say, you know, I went out to practice today and um, he kind of looked like his old self again. He was nailing guys left and right. You know, they were bringing pressure on the scout team and, and he looked comfortable. And um, I think he is kind of comfortable in those big stages and, and we've seen that out of him. Um, and, and, and again, last year, he, he started off the same way, kind of inconsistent, slow, and so did the whole team. Um, and then he progressively got better. But um, I think he's comfortable enough in, in this big stage. And um, if the offensive line can give him enough time, I think Ball State has enough weapons um, to move the ball downfield. Well, and I think that's going to be a big question, right? Whether the offensive line can give them enough time. Uh, we saw Arnold Abichetti, uh last week for Penn State just blow up. And, and he's a kid transferred from Temple. Um, we all... We're, we're sort of expecting uh, something bigger from him this year uh, than what he did at Temple last year. Guys, uh, you know, on the staff, guys on the roster were really hyping him up in the preseason to the point that, you know, you're like, all right, let's pump the brakes here. And then he goes out against Wisconsin and just dominated. You know, Tyler Beach is a really good left tackle for Wisconsin, and he just had his way with him a few times. There was, there was one play he would have had a, a strip sack uh, where he drilled the quarterback. Mertz got the ball out just in time, but – um, do they have anyone on the offensive line that can that can match up with the talent like Abiketti? And, and to be clear, like this Penn State defense, as as Mike New said uh, the other day, like this is just a really talented group where you're gonna you know you're gonna be dealing with talent at almost every single position. But Abiketti is one of those guys that it, it transcends even the usual Penn State level of talent. And it's like this might be one of the best defensive ends in the country. So is there is there any reasonable answer for that, or are we gonna see a lot of tight ends and running backs chipping uh, on Saturday? 
Oh yeah, I think you're. I think you're going to see that, and, and Ball State's not afraid to to run a run a fullback and a tight end set out there. You know, with with a guy like Cody Rudy, or um, you know, you got some bigger tight ends and Dylan Cook and Jordan Williams, who was a converted linebacker who now plays tight end. Um, but you know, they have experience on the offensive line. Um, my biggest question is just going to be kind of how um, Damon Kaler and Corey Stewart, um, who are filling in at right tackle for last year's starter Joseph Boggs who's out with a shoulder injury and will likely be out um, for at, at least a few weeks um, I don't think there's an exact timetable so maybe that right side is more susceptible but on the left side you got a bunch of experienced guys you got a fifth year guy like Caleb Slavin who's been playing and starting since he was a freshman um, Jalen Turner Anthony Todd um, at center and and left guard respectively um, they so they have experience I think it's just going to be about how you know, if they show up and, and if they do their assignments and um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ball State's running a lot of sets where they got one, maybe two tight ends and a fullback kind of trying to open up space and and give room for the running backs or, or give play, you know, an extra second or two to find one of those receivers downfield. But, um, yeah, they got a tall task ahead of them. And um, I mean, that's the biggest thing that stood out um, when I was watching that Penn State Wisconsin game is just um, that pass rush is, is going to be scary and, and they're going to have the work cut out for them. But um yeah, we'll we'll see. It happens on Saturday, I guess. Yeah, uh, and and the other thing that that New kept talking about in his weekly presser was this environment, right? Like how uh, you know they're bringing in all the speakers they can. They're trying to be as obnoxious as they can. Don't want to offend any neighbors, but like they're really trying to bring the noise because not many people anywhere played in front of a hundred thousand fans, uh, especially the you know at a MAC program, you you don't often run into that environment. So, how did it? You mentioned you were at practice. Does it feel like they're ready for this? I don't want to call it this moment or anything like that. Like it's, it's college football. It's not some massive undertaking, but like, do, do they feel like they're ready for the environment they're about to walk into? Yeah, I think they are. And I think um, part of that comes with experience. Um, not, I mean, not just like experience, you know, guys who have been there and played in different environments, but you know, these guys, a lot of these guys were there two years ago when um, Ball State played against IU at Lucas Oil, right. Or when Ball State, um, played at Notre Dame, you know, in front of 80,000 or whatever it was, maybe a little less um, in 2018. So they, they and played, played at NC State, uh, a lot of these guys. So they've been in big environments and they played relatively well. I mean, you remember that game, um, I believe it was 2018 against Notre Dame when um, they were, Notre Dame was ranked eight in the country and Ball State, you know, they were just um, kind of nosy enough to stick around and, you know, a lot of that had to do with Hall and, and the way he can kind of open things up. And I think they have a lot more offensive weapons too. So um, I think they're ready for it. They seem pretty relaxed at practice today. You know, there's music blaring. I couldn't hear a thing and I'm the only one I practice normally. Right. So I couldn't hear a thing on the field and I'm sitting like front row in the bleachers trying to, trying to listen in, couldn't hear anything, but they were vibing. And um, you know, after practice, Jalen Thomas, uh, their will linebacker was kind of sitting there and he's like, Oh yeah, we're, we're ready for this. We're pumped for this. And I think they're just ready to kind of um, show people what they're about. And, you know, they're, they're kind of uh, back to that um, underdog mentality that they had last year um, for most of the year. And um, obviously come in as, as this will be their, uh, the, the biggest underdog role they'll play this whole season. So. Yeah. 22 and a half points is, uh, is quite the underdog. Uh, but then, so how are you feeling about this matchup in general? Then does this feel like I mentioned at the beginning that the, the sort of trap game that everyone had pointed out, but eventually you named something a trap game enough. It's no longer a trap game. It's just a matchup between a good team and another good team. So does this feel like a, a real opportunity for a ball state upset or, or do you get the sense that 
you know, that not that this is what they're envisioning, but, but from your perspective that they should be happy with a, like a one touchdown or two touchdown game by the end of this. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, it's obviously going to be a huge challenge. I mean, Penn state, um, it is no joke. And, and, you know, um, I think playing against oh, finding a way to finish off drives against a tough Wisconsin defense was good. And, and just, I mean, the red zone defense last week for the Indian lines was just insane. So it was also um, hated a little bit by some uh, fun little exchanges so, between Isaac Lorendo, <laughs> Graham Mertz and Ches Malusi and Graham Mertz. So I'm, yeah. I, you're hundred percent right. It's just like, you know, sometimes the ball bounces your way and they had a few bounces their way last week. Hey, you know, I, uh, my, my, my great grandmother, you said, I'd rather be lucky than skilled any day of the week. And, you know, I think that that falls true. And um, I think Ball State might need to have a little bit of luck, but I also just think they're just going to need to execute their game plan. I truly believe that, um, you know, I've seen some score predictions where people projecting Ball State to score six points or whatever. And, um, you know, I think their offensive is explosive enough. <laughs> I've seen, I did, I haven't seen your prediction yet, but uh, I, 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 uh, I think they're You'll hear it here in a few seconds, but uh, yeah, continue. I think their offense is explosive enough if they play the way they're able to play. Um, so I think realistically, you know, Ball State could keep it within a touchdown or two. And I think a lot of people, you know, they just don't really know about Ball State. And obviously not a lot of people watch like mid-American conference football. So um, I think, you know, if offense can do what it does and, and score and defense can um, force some turnovers, which they didn't do last week, but they did really well last year. Um, who knows, you know, maybe we're in for some week two weirdness, but, um, it's going to be a tough challenge. I think everyone on ball state knows it. And I think they're more ready just to kind of show that, that they can compete with top dogs. And, and, you know, if, uh, if an upset happens, um, it would arguably be the, the biggest win in, in school history for sure. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll wait a second to put you on the spot here and go on the record with my prediction. You mentioned the, you know, them scoring six points. So I have this game as 34 to seven, the Penn state victory. Uh, but I don't think it is going to be as lopsided as that score would indicate, right? Like this feels like a game where it might look a lot like Wisconsin did early last week, where Penn state's offense can't get going. Penn state's defense is suffocating their opponent. We go into the half and it's like 10, seven Penn state, seven, seven, what have you. And then the second half, eventually, you know, they, they break through with a few big plays and are able to pull away because the talent level just isn't as high in ball state. But I do think this is going to be a close game. And I do think Ball State is going to be competitive throughout. I just think at the end of the day that the Penn State defense, they're so well equipped to, to cover really anybody, right? Like, you know, with Joey Porter Jr. and Tariq Castro Fields and Kalen King as the three primary outside guys. And then Daquan Hardy's been really impressive in the slot. And, you know, when Hall lines up in the slot, I assume that's who you'll see. When he lines up outside, he can get any of those three guys. They're all excellent, uh, you know, big parts of this defense. And then you, you have Jaquan Brisker roaming in the middle of the field. He looked like one of the best safeties in the country last week. And Ketty getting pressure. And eventually the, the talent usually wins out. That being said, I'm not rolling out an upset here. I think it is completely plausible that, that Ball State goes into Beaver Stadium and gets the victory. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just the, the talent edge and where the talent is, I think, is going to be the decider here. But, but now I will put you on the spot. Uh, and what is your prediction for this game? And, and sort of why do you see it going that way? Yeah, I think uh, I'm just going to, I mean, someone asked me the other day just on the spot and, and I spit out a score. So I'm just going to stay consistent and keep that score no matter how much my mind fluctuates throughout the week. I love the doubling um, down on the, uh, the, the spit take. It's, it's the best way to do it. <laughs> I mean, just, it's, I hate hey, it's, how, it's how I operate. I, it's how I operate. I, I hate when people ask me for scores. I'm like, dude, no, like, I don't care. We're all guessing. No one knows. Yeah. We're all guessing. Um, I think, uh, you know, and end of the day, I think Ball State covers that 22 and a half point spread. I think that's way too much. 
Um, I said 31-21, Penn State is going to edge it out. I think Ball State just has enough weapons on offense, and and I think they get a turnover, too, on defense um, to put themselves in a good position. And, um, you know, they have the type of weapons like like a Justin Hall who can return a punt or, or a kick at any given time um, that I think they'll keep it close enough. But um, I think talent-wise, Penn State obviously has an advantage. And like I said earlier, I think Ball State just needs um, – a couple different things to go right. And I think they need to execute at um, a near perfect level to, to pull out an upset if they're going to do that this week. Yeah. And I think those turnovers, that's the avenue to it, right? Because mm-hmm. Sean Clifford will throw the ball at defensive backs on occasion. Uh, and he did it more frequently last year than he did last week, but it is still something that he has uh, shown the ability to do, right? Like he's, he'll, he'll cough it up on occasion. Um, I think that you know, the, the, this is a wide variance game. Like you can see a Penn State blowout. You can see a Ball State victory. I think it is all on the table at this point. And that's what happens in week two of college football, right? Like like we really, <laughs> like you mentioned small sample size earlier. All of this is a small sample size. We've seen these teams play for 60 minutes for the most part outside of a few teams that played in week zero. Uh, but I really appreciate having you on uh, and you coming on, Robbie. Uh, you know, we, we've had a relationship now for a few years, been friends for a little bit now. It's always good to catch up. Where can the people find you? Where can people find your work? Uh, social media, you name it. Here's your time in the spotlight. Oh, yes. We're right on. Um, well, the starpress.com is number one if you want to keep uh, keep tabs on Ball State throughout the year. Because, um, you know, even if, if if Penn State, I mean, wins this week, you know, it's going to be a team that um, you know, you're going to want to keep. Yeah, you're going to want them to keep winning, right? Um, so the starpress.com or on Twitter at our general junior, I am uh, the predominant voice in 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 ball state sports just because uh out here in muncie and there's there's not a lot of other media but um but yeah that's that's where you can find me and if you want to give me a follow go ahead um i tend to uh just tweet some high school stuff too so if you like uh east central indiana high school athletics then um i'm your guy as well (laughs) yeah that all sounds great as a uh, robbie general follower on twitter it is well worth the follow i would recommend it uh but that'll do it for this week's episode of the lion slayer uh, you can find Kyle and I, who were on here earlier, talking about Wisconsin Week on Twitter at, at John Sauber and at Kyle J. Andrews underscore. You can find all of our work at senderdaily.com. Uh, and you can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at senderdaily.com backslash sports podcast. Uh, you know, you, we have a bunch of good stuff coming up about Ball State this week, uh, about upcoming matchups. We'll have you covered all season. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you'd like on the podcast platform you're choosing. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day. <laughs>